Let's turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 26. We'll read through verse 29. Now, angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of Ethiopians. The Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to the chariot and stay near it. First, to kind of get a picture of where Philip is at, Philip is in Samaria. God had told him to go from Jerusalem to Samaria, which is about 35 miles. And so he's been in Samaria for a while, and a lot of things are happening. A lot of people are hearing this message of who Jesus is and are responding to it. So it's a good thing that's happening there in Samaria. And then Peter and John come there and start hanging out there with him and start preaching as they're going through and heading back to Jerusalem. They're preaching in a lot of Samaritan towns. And so it seems like a lot of things are happening in that area. And then all of a sudden, the Lord tells him, go south down to Gaza. And then in verse, I love verse 27, it says, so he started out. He just, God says, go, and he, he goes. He doesn't say, why? What's down there, Lord? How, how am I going to you know, take care of myself? What is their job for me? You know, God, there's some neat things happening here. There's a lot of, you know, activity going on. There's revival happening here in Samaria, God. Maybe, you know, I should wait until I can establish. God says go, and he just goes. And, you know, a lot of times we want to know what, what God's thinking, or at least I do. I, I'd really like to know, what are you thinking, God? And if God gives me one step, I'd like to know the next couple. You know, I want you to leave. Well, where do you want me to go? I'll, I'll tell you after you leave. And it's like, well, that that's that's not nice. You know, that's how I think. I, I'd rather know what you want next. I want to know not just step A. I want to know step B, C, D, E, and F, and what G is going to look like, if you don't mind. That's how I like to move. <laughs> Man of faith here. But Philip just goes. And so many times God doesn't give us step B. He just tells us, go to step A and I'll give you the next step. It's like that, you know, uh, Treasure Hunt. What's that TV show called? The, the, uh, the, anyway, okay, never mind it. You guys need to watch more TV. Uh, the greatest, uh, where they have they have to go to certain places and they find a clue and then they go to another place. Treasure hunt or something. Tre no, it's, anyway. The Amazing Race. That's it. All right. Okay, I expect you guys to watch more TV by the time you... Where have you ever heard that in Bible study? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so... God gives us the one step, but then we have to take that step before he reveals many times the next step. 
And Philip, to his credit, he just goes. He goes, and, and the trip now from Samaria to Gaza is about 65 miles. Again, on foot. I want you to head down this way. Okay. Starts walking, starts heading to Gaza, Gaza, and he just goes there because God tells him to. As he is heading there, in obedience, he just happens to come across this Ethiopian. And he's not just anyone, he's someone who's important, he's... Important because he's the official in charge of all the treasury of Candace. Now, Candace isn't just a name, it's a title, like Pharaoh. So, she is prominent in Ethiopia. And he is no doubt a wealthy person and a person of power because of his position and the fact that he's riding a chariot, which means that he was a person of wealth. He had a scroll of the, we know of Isaiah, which was expensive. You didn't, not everyone just walked around with the scrolls. That was something as handwritten and it take, took a lot of money to purchase one of those. And so he's a person of means. And what would have happened if Philip would have paused a little bit? If he said, oh, okay, I'll, you know what? I'm going to finish some stuff up next week and then I'll go. Well, he wouldn't have came across the Ethiopian eunuch. He would have missed him by that much. How important is it to be obedient? How important is it when God says go, to go? There was a wealthy businessman who was developing his company. And so he was going to go to Europe and spend some time in Europe to establish just a network over in the European nations. And he left his managers and those in charge and told them, I am going to be sending you information while I'm in Europe because I'm going to be there for quite a bit of time. But I'll write to you. Keep you abreast on what's happening, what we want to see take place here at the home corporate office so that when I come back, we can merge these two and it'll be a great thing. And so he takes off, and he's there in Europe, and he's developing the business and corporation. And after two years of time of sending these letters back and forth and just writing to the home office, giving them instructions on what is happening, what he wants next, he finally comes back to the States, and he comes to his corporate office, and he looks, at, and the place is in shambles. There's just weeds growing all out front. The windows are broken. It looks like the building's abandoned. He walks in and the secretary's asleep on the desk. And he hears the people out in the back and the music is blaring and they're all having a good time. Celebrate good times. Come on. They're all dancing on the desk and they're having just a, a fun time. And he walks in and he's like, what's going on here? And they're like, hey, you're back. Welcome back. And he goes, what are you guys doing? And he finds out that the place has just been left and just run down because they haven't been doing all the things that he had sent for them to do. And so the corporation is depleted and it's just in a bad state. And he asked them and he said, what have you been doing with the letters that I gave you? And they said, oh, we've got them. We've got them all. Well, did you read them? Oh, yes. 
We read every one of them. In fact, every Sunday, we would have letter studies, and we'd get together, and we'd go through, and we'd read them, and we'd talk about them. We even started our midweek letter readings, and we started going on Wednesdays or sometimes Thursday nights and started reading the letters as well. And we have read the letters thoroughly. We know what they say. We have studied them. We've even got linguists to come in and decipher the words that you said in the letters. And so we're very on top of all the letters you've written. But did you do anything I said in the letters? Well, no, but we know them very, very well. And you know the correlation. A lot of times we come to Bible study, we we read the scriptures, we read God's letters for us, but we don't act on them. We don't do them. We don't live lives of faith that are in response to what God says. And we depend on reading, 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 and we don't listen to the voice of God for when he says, like he did to Philip, go. It wasn't something that he saw written in Isaiah. It was the Spirit of God working on his heart because he was in tune with God that God said, go down to Gaza and I got plans for you there. He had to hear the voice of God. Are we hearing the voice of God? Or do we get together for studies and think that's what it's about? Because that's not what it's about. I know it's strange sitting here leading a study telling you this is not what it's about, but this is not what it's about. Oh yes, it's good to have that information, to understand those guidelines that God has given through Scripture, but what it is about is you hearing and responding to the Spirit of God as He works in your life. Otherwise, what, what are we doing? Otherwise, we're, we're playing religion. Otherwise, we're like those people back in corporate office who read the letters, who know them, but don't implement what they say. Just the other day, Sunday, I think it was, Kareen, we were driving and she goes, I'm so bummed. And I said, why? What's, what happened? And she said, God put it in my heart to call this person. I, I thought, I need to call her, some friends of ours. And she says, I need to do that. And as she was thinking about it, and she was heading up to the church, all of a sudden she got a text message about 20 minutes later, guess from, from the person who had put on her heart to call her. And it was like, ah, she beat me to it, you know. Darn it, I could have been the one sensitive to the spirit, but now... She's the one sensitive. And it's like, she knew it. And it's happened to her more than once. She goes, that always happens to me. You know, with people, God will put someone on her heart. She goes, I need to call them. And she waits, and then they call her. And she's like, oh, man, there it is again. And how many times has God put something on your heart and you paused? You just said, I'm going to wait. Well, if Philip would have waited this incident that we're reading about that took the gospel to the whole nation of Ethiopia wouldn't have happened 
God still would have worked out some way, but this wouldn't have happened. It's interesting because a lot of people believe that this is the fulfillment of Psalm 68 that says, envoys will come out of Egypt or Cush, Ethiopia will quickly stretch out her hands to God. And they're believing this is a fulfillment of Psalm 68:31, where God extended his hand down to Ethiopia. But if Philip would have waited, nah, it's okay, I can do it tomorrow. Um, you know, I'm going to stay here until things settle down or until I get some money raised up for, you know, my mission trip. Then I'll go. But no, he heard, he went, it happened. If we would hear, go, who knows what we would see if we would hear and go. Is God alive or isn't he? Does God speak to us or doesn't he? Is he able to speak into your life things that will change your life and the lives of the people around you? Or is it just something you're paying homage to? I go to church, I read the letters, and then I'm done. Or do you have a living relationship with the living God? And that's what we need to have. That's what we need to establish. So as Philip goes, he encounters this Ethiopian and he sees him. And he runs up to him because once again, the spirit told Philip, go to the chariot. And so stay near it. And then I love it because then verse 30, Philip ran up. Running was undignified. Plus, it was hard with the clothes that they had on. You know, they didn't have pant legs. They had those big robe things. And I don't know if you ever ran in a robe thing, but, you know, it's just not as easy to run with a robe. But he had to pick it up and he had to run. And what I love about this is you get this sense of excitement in Philip's life. God is working. God is using me. God is doing something. I want you to go to Samaria. Man, I'm going there. Go to Samaria. Wow, things are happening. I need you to go to Gaza. I'm going to Gaza. Hey, I need you to talk to that guy. I'm going to go talk to that guy. And then what happens? In verse 30 it says, Philip ran to the chariot. And heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? Now, what are the odds that this guy's reading Isaiah the prophet? I don't know, one in a billion. What, what, what do you think? This isn't a coincidence. God is orchestrating things, but it requires the obedience of Philip. It requires that he hear and respond to the voice of God. It's no different with us. We need to hear and respond to the voice of God. What is the voice of God? What does it sound like? How do I know? Well, you're not going to respond if you're not living in that relationship. It's amazing as Karina and I have been married almost 25 years now. I understand her words and tones and looks better than I ever have before. I could say something and she could just gesture a certain way and I can know whether I'm in hot water or I'm in good standings. No one else will have a clue. But me and my wife, I know. Because I have a relationship with her. I've developed this relationship where all I have to do is hear a tone in her voice, see a glance, and a posture change, and I know what's going on. 
better go get some flowers tomorrow. Whatever it is, I, I can read that. Why? Because I have a relationship. We want to hear from God, but we don't want to invest in the relationship. And we wonder why we don't hear from God. Well, where's your relationship with God? I've got these decisions in my life I need to make. I need to go right or left, and I don't know. God, what do you have for me? Well, when is the last time you, you've come to me? When is the last time you've been in communication to me? Are you, are you before me daily, or is it just when you get together on Sundays? What is your heart throughout the week, and then when the pressure comes, now you want me to guide you. And if I were to live my relationship with my wife in that way, I'd be in bad standings. Be in bad, bad shape. I wouldn't be able to hear. I wouldn't be able to say. I wouldn't know what's going on with her. And the same is true of our relationship with God. The great thing and the difficult thing about Christianity, the great thing is it is so personal the difficult thing is, it is so personal. Just like relationships. The great things about relationships, they're so personal, you can receive so much from The difficult thing about relationships is they're so personal, they take a lot of investment in. It's the same way with our relationship with God. Philip hears, he moves. He's been connected to God. He's been walking with God. He's been involved with the things of God. As I've shared before, and Xavier Reese has always shared, it's easier to steer a car when it's moving. If you're not moving with God, how is he going to steer you? You ever try and push a car that's run out of gas in the intersection? A friend had a truck that used to always run out of gas or stall. We called it the puddle jumper. And it was a little Ford Courier pickup truck. And we'd have to push that truck to get it to jump start because it just wouldn't turn over. And we'd want to see if we were near a hill or going up a hill or how. Because, man, pushing a car when it's stopped and you're just, and it's loaded with supplies, oh, it was hard. But if it was moving, in fact, one time we were on Baldwin Avenue and we were going pretty good. We were out of gas and I was hanging on the back of it and we were like, I felt like fire truck, you know, woo, going down here. But I had momentum. We were going and so we could get that thing all the way to the gas station because we were moving. He could steer it. He could guide it. But if we had to push it, forget it. It wouldn't have gone anywhere. If we're moving in this relationship with God, here's the point, then it's easy for God to direct us because we're moving. Philip went to Ga Gaza. I keep wanting to say Gaza. He went to Gaza. And on his way, now God said, get to the chariot. You're going here? Okay, here's, here's point A. Here's point B. Get over there. And he's ready for that because he was obedient. And so he goes, and there he is, sitting, reading the, the prophet Isaiah. And in verse 30, it says, as he ran up, Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, that word invited is actually a strong term. He said, get up here. Get over here. I need you now. I don't know. And the idea that how can I is, unless someone explain it, that word explain is the same word 
that Jesus used in John 16, 13, when he said, if the spirit of truth will come, he will guide you into all truth. He will explain, that word explain and guide are the same. And so here we see the spirit is needing to guide this Ethiopian in the truth. And how is he doing it? He's doing it through Philip. The spirit of God will guide you into all truth. He will speak not of his own. He will speak what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. The Spirit of God will guide you into all truth. Well, the Spirit of God is now going to guide the Ethiopian through the person of Philip as he's going there and he's on the chariot now with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of Scripture. In verse 32 it says, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. I love that. As he's explaining to him, or as he's reading the the passage there in Isaiah, he's reading the prophetic passage. Now, the Jews at that time believed that that passage was either referring to Isaiah, or they thought it might even be referring to the nation of Israel, or there wasn't really the connection to the Messiah at this point, because they didn't see the Messiah as someone suffering. So they thought of it as the nation Israel, but when you read it, it's very personal. It's, it's not talking about a nation. And so the Ethiopian says, who's he talking about? What, what is this about? What a door. What an opening door. In Matthew 27, we see the fulfillment of this, where he is before, Jesus is before Pilate. And when he was accused by the priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even a single charge to the great amazement of the governor. He didn't say a word. He kept silent, fulfilling what Isaiah spoke about. And so now, Philip, can you imagine how stoked he is right now? Running up there and then the guy's reading this passage and he asks, who's he talking about? Oh man, what a... All right, and who knows how much time passed as he started explaining this as they were traveling. But as they're going, this is taking place and it's unfolding and it's like, this is so of God. Have you ever had those circumstances where you're in that place when someone asks you something and it's like, oh my gosh, I just happened to be here at that moment when they asked that question, I was just reading about that in the scripture. I was just talking about that. I, I was just, Sunday this happened as someone came up to me and wanted prayer and asked some question. Well, I'd just gone to a seminar that kind of dealt with some areas of depression. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is really kind of going along with some things that I heard that would be helpful to you. And so now I'm able to say, wow, here's this. And it's kind of like, it makes me look good because like I knew I was talking about it and I was like, wow. And it was really just God preparing the situation and when it unfolds, there you are and you say, wow, God, thank you 
for allowing me to be a part of this and be able to share it with this person. Thank you. And how many times does that happen where God is ministering to us? I've shared with you guys before, just when we were to leave Upland, and I was listening to a Bible study that was talking about Elijah breaking this plow and sending up an offering to the Lord and thinking, wow, Lord, that's what I would have to do if I'm going to leave. I'm going to have to break the things that I was dependent on and leave. And as I shared that with my wife, she's like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, you know. God shared the same thing with her as she was doing her daily reading. At the same time, what are the chances that her daily reading and my listening to the Bible study are going to match up and be the exact thing? What's the odds I'll be running to Gaza and hit the Ethiopian eunuch talking about Isaiah? What are the odds? Well, if you're just walking in the things of God, the odds are on, they're in your favor. It's going to roll up seven every time. You know, it's going to, it's going to, you're going to hit that. Why? Because God is alive, is working, and is moving. And so here Philip is just like, okay. And I love the explanation. That very passage from right where he was at in the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. The good news about Jesus. The gospel of Jesus. That's what that means. He told them the gospel of Jesus. What is the gospel of Jesus? What was the gospel of Jesus there in Isaiah? That God became flesh, dwelt among us, gave his life for us so that you could have a relationship with the living God. Now, eunuchs were forbidden in the law to uh, gather in the assembly of the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, it speaks of that. It says, No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. So it kind of gives the description, whether it's on purpose or accident, it doesn't matter. You cannot enter into the assembly of the Lord. You you are considered defective. God was trying to make a point that there needs to be holiness to enter into his presence. Later on in Isaiah 56, a prophetic word, it says in verse 3, Let no foreigner who is bound himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let not any eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name. Better than the sons and daughters, I will give them an everlasting name and they will not be cut off. So there was to be a place for those who were eunuchs, to those who had no hope, to the foreigners, to those who were at one time thought of as not being able to come into the kingdom, to be able to be a part of God's people. He's saying, no, they will be a part of my people. And here is this eunuch reading about Isaiah's 
prophetic telling about the Messiah, he's able to say, yeah, the good news of Jesus is that God has come. God has torn the veil that you have access into this relationship with the living God. It is open before you. That is the good news of Jesus. That's the good news. The good news is that the way is made for you to have a relationship with God. That there's not anything you need to do to earn it. And even you as a eunuch who would at one time have been outcast. And can you imagine an Ethiopian eunuch going into Israel? What are you doing here, buddy? You're not a Jew. You're a eunuch. You got two strikes against you already. And he's going there to worship. He's going there to find out more about God. He's coming away from his pilgrimage with questions. What is this about? Have you ever been there? In your spiritual walk. And wondering, God, what is this about? What's taking place? How, how are these things unfolding in my life? I don't know what's going on. And then someone comes and gives you the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's where it's at. God loves you. God has come down and made the way so that you can have a relationship with him. So that you can commune with him. So that you can enter into his very presence. So that just like me, you can hear his voice and be led by him to do miraculous things because he is a miraculous God. That's the good news. So as the Ethiopian eunuch, here's these things. Verse 36. They traveled along the road. They came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. I bet. And Philip, however, appeared in Azutus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. A couple things I want to talk about in this section of passage. First of all, whatever Philip shared must have included the baptism because that's what the Ethiopian eunuch asks about. And so he says, hey, here's some water. Can I be baptized now? I don't know how long he spent with this guy. An hour, two hours, who knows? But it wasn't weeks. It was a short amount of time. And it was enough for Philip to say, okay, you can be baptized. You can be baptized. Now, those of you who have the NIV, I read verse 37, but in, in the NIV, in the New American Standard, the Revised Standard, verse 37 is not in those translations. It is in the New King James and the King James. And that's the words Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may the eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
Okay, don't get hung up on this because it's not in the one, the, these translations and it is the other. Some believe that it was a marginal note. That is the answer to what the question was. And it is biblically sound. It is sound doctrine. It is doctrine that is found other places in the scripture so that if it was not here, it's still supported throughout the scripture. It doesn't change the scripture one way or another. It doesn't harm it. It doesn't hurt it. And think of it. If there's just a few instances of like that throughout the whole scripture that aren't big as far as the, the content, then don't make it a big deal because it's not. And that's exactly what this is. When you read it, you go, why isn't it in the New International? Or why is it here? Well, the Western and Latin manuscripts have that verse in it. The older manuscripts don't. And so some believe, again, that it was a marginal note that got inserted. Others believe it should have been there because it was in these latter manuscripts and in the Latin, so they think it's supposed to be there. That's the two, two sides. Just for your information, so if you're worrying about it or thinking about it, does it devalue the word of God in the scripture? Not at all. It doesn't at all. It, it makes no difference to content. It, it's, again, compared to all of what we have, it is minuscule. It's small. And so don't make it a big deal. Um, I read it because I know a lot of you still have the New King James and I didn't want to, hey, you missed a verse. Um, again, it's just something that is there. Okay, more importantly, the content of what he's talking about. He wants to be baptized. They come alongside, they come to water, and he says, hey, here's water. I love this because he's excited. Why, why can't I take the next step? Why can't I take the next step? I, I believe I want to be baptized. And so he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, which means and implies that this was immersion. You don't go into the water and then just sprinkle someone. The odds are you're going into the water. It's so the whole idea is to be immersed, to baptize. It has that in its meaning. So they both go down there. And then, of course, we have this incredible account. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And then the eunuch was there by himself rejoicing. He took him away to this place called Azotus, which is 20 miles now from Gaza. I wish God would do this with me on the freeway sometimes. I wish that I could be done with a job in Van Nuys and, and all of a sudden be in Upland or something. But what an incredible thing that took place. And this is just a, a spiritual roller coaster. I mean, God tells them, I want you to go to Samaria. From Samaria, I want you to go down to Gaza. From Gaza, I'm going to take you to this place because I had you to meet. I mean, he just had to meet this guy, apparently. That was the whole purpose. Just to hook up with this Ethiopian. What did Jesus say? If one sheep goes astray, the shepherd will leave the 99 and go find the one. God would orchestrate the life of Philip just for this one man. God is wanting to do the same thing for us. He does the same thing for us. He will not 
forsake us, let us wander to be lost. He will bring people in our paths to bring us to an awareness of the good news of Jesus Christ so that we can understand that just like that lost sheep, God is searching to find us. He's reaching for us. He's coming after us. And there's no follow-up with the Ethiopian. I want you now to go to class 101 where we have new believers follow-up and you'll be getting a phone call next week from our counselors. They're going to have you go through this Bible study series that will help you understand there is just this complete dependence on the Spirit of God to do a work. It's embarrassing how much they depend on the Spirit of God to be God in a person's life after they make a step of faith. He didn't have the New Testament. We don't know how much of the Old Testament he had. He might have been wealthy and had the whole thing. That's all he had. To know about Jesus, that's all he needed. Because he already from Isaiah told him who Jesus was. Now he's reading everything throughout the scriptures with this mindset of who Jesus is. And then he's gone. This man is no doubt the one who took the gospel of Jesus Christ to that nation, to that empire. Ethiopia, which is there along the Nile. And then verse 40, Philip, however, appeared in Azotus, traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Caesarea, again, is going to be oh, about 20 miles or so north of Gaza. I, I love just this feeling. Traveled about preaching the gospel. I just see this guy, Philip, with a smile on his face, preaching the gospel. The next time we read about Philip is in the book of Acts, in chapter 21. If you want, turn there with me. We'll close with this. Chapter 21, verse 8. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. That's what we read about Philip's next encounter. Philip is known now as the Evangelist. Yeah, I guess, huh? He goes to Samaria... Goes to Gaza, meets the Ethiopian, then heads over to Caesarea. Philip the Evangelist. And he had four daughters who prophesied. So, we see that this man is a man who is gotten hold of who God is. And God has gotten hold of him. He's living an incredibly exciting life. A life that is filled just with things that are happening. When I, I hear people say, well, you know, Christian life, it's, you know, it's just not as fun as, you know, doing some of the other things. I, I think, you know, God has done some miraculous things in my life. I've been able to do things that I don't think I ever would have done had I not known Jesus. And if I was to live for exciting, how exciting is it? Go to the desert now. That's pretty exciting. 
go talk to this chariot now. Translate you to this other place now. It's a pretty exciting life. The life of faith is pretty exciting. It's You have to be very open-minded to live a life of faith in God. People say we're narrow-minded. Well, no. God can do just about anything He wants in my life. I have to be open to those kinds of things. God has the ability to speak into my life, and if I will listen, it could produce incredible things. The, the problem is, we don't listen. The problem is, we, we box God in, and we want to be comfortable, and Christianity is not for the weak. It's not for those who want to be comfortable. It's not a religion for those who want to play it safe. It's not. It's dangerous. It will take you to the desert on a moment's notice. It'll have you leave your job to pursue a service of God. It will have you step into areas that are dangerous, go into countries that are dangerous. I had just been reading and studying some things, and I saw in 2006, over 171,000 171, Christians were martyred in 2006. That's three years ago. 171,000 Christians were killed because they believed in Jesus. This isn't a safe religion. This isn't something for the weak-minded or hearted. This is a life that's connected to the living God that will shake you to your souls and change everything in you and around you if you will listen and obey. And if you do, you can live a life like Philip. Exciting, adventurous, unpredictable, but profitable for the work that God has. The choice is ours. It always is. Philip the Evangelist, as he was known, because he heard God's voice, listened and did what he said. May we do the same. Let's pray. Father, what a testimony this man has. As we've just read about him through the last chapter, going on a moment's notice to Samaria when great things were happening in Jerusalem, when he had been raised up there. He moves by your spirit, just like we don't know where the wind blows, so is everyone who is born of the spirit. Lord, you can move us where you desire in ways that are, are mysterious and powerful. And again, as you tell him to move, he just goes. He has such a relationship with you. He, he can see your glance and follow it, Lord. Lord, may we be able to hear your whisper and move. May we be able to Receive those things that you have for us that are preparing us for the things you have for us still. May we be people of faith that don't just come here and read about the Bible, but may we be people of faith who spend time with you, the living God, and it affects our lives in a living way. Lord, help us to not just be letter readers 
to be studiers. Help us to be children who hear their Father's voice. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We know you love us. We know that you know what's best for us. Lord, we desire to have faith in you, to trust you completely, to put our lives into your hands that we might be moved by you. God, have your way with us, we pray. Take away those fears that we have, those boundaries that we set up that keep us from lives that are fulfilling that you've created us to live. Help us not to be blinded. Help us not to be deaf. Help us to see you clearly. And do pray these things in Jesus' name.